Welcome to Heart to Heart Conversations, the podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Etzel, and together we'll get out of our heads and into our hearts. These deep and meaningful conversations are meant to crack open our hearts, expand our worldview, and cultivate compassion. I truly believe world peace and unity of all people is possible, and it all starts with a heart-to-heart conversation. Yay! (laughs) Here we are for yet another heart-to-heart conversation, and Natalie, I believe this is part three or episode three with you on, but first official episode on the podcast with you on, because you did two via Facebook Live. So you are absolutely amazing. Thank you for being here and just being so down and willing to talk about the juicy, maybe somewhat taboo topics like sex, like shame, like spirituality, and just like the interconnectedness of it all. Mm. Yes. And it's very fitting because I feel like that's how we first connected was when I was doing a live on an adjacent topic and you were like, yes, all the things. And then we just started going back and forth and like, all of it um but you actually just even with that little intro prompted me of something I've been thinking about a lot lately and I can't remember if I had voice analogy about this I might have but um because I'm it's a thing like okay on the topic of like we have been we've been riffing on like shame around sex and I think like uh, we can dive into how that came from like my Catholic upbringing and like lack of conversations around bodies and boundaries and all of that like a lot of um my mom would say like modesty which really was that shamefulness of like not even being able to change in a public change room as a kid, like, cause my body wasn't allowed to show up there. Like that's how it felt. Um, but now being someone who's like pretty open to talking about this stuff, like, I think you, I don't know if you saw that post on my Facebook, you're cool with me talking about all of it here, right? Oh yeah. Like, please freely express, leave nothing, whatever you're comfortable with talking about. Yes, please share. So that post that I did and it circulated Facebook where it was like, what's one object that people would see and they instantly think of you and like multiple people responded butt plugs, which I thought was just really, really funny. Um, But it also brings up another thing, which is kind of like, now that I'm more open, this is kind of alluding to like this whole journey and then we can pick apart whatever pieces you want. Um, People sometimes conflate openness in conversation with like experience in partnership or otherwise. Um, And that's not necessarily the case. Like I, and so I kind of deal with that a lot where because I'm aware of things and I've done the research and I've had the conversations, people will also assume that I've like done all of it. And I'm this like ultra kinky, whatever person. And like, maybe I am, I'm figuring that out. And it's, there's two things to that, that I'm thinking of now. And like, one is the side where it's like, okay, like it's important. I think that in any interaction, we represent ourselves honestly. So it's like, if I have done the research, but I haven't done the thing, a potential partner needs to know that on the flip side, I kind of feel like that assumption that people have when someone might show up as having done the research and had the conversations that they've also participated in the act can sometimes like it almost discounts the necessity of having those conversations. And like in my minimal amount of time exploring in these um, like groups lately, that's the thing I see the most of is like, 
it is a lot of conversation. It is a lot of dialogue. It is a lot of asking questions. And that's how you build a safe container to actually explore. Yes. And okay, I'm so glad that you're saying that because this is where it starts. It's these heart to heart conversations. It's talking about that stuff that maybe we're afraid to talk about and that are maybe happening behind closed doors or one-on-one, but I believe everyone, everyone deserves to explore and it's okay. Like, especially if you're new to this stuff, it's okay to ask questions. Like, how else are you going to learn? Well, exactly. And I think it's, you know, you figure out what that looks like for you as you go. And this is like a whole big thing, but it is. It's, it's important to ask those questions. And I think if you're exploring anything, it's like, if you don't feel comfortable asking those questions, the person you're exploring with, then I'm, I don't know. That's a question I asked yourself too. It's like, is that the person to explore with? Right? Like, I think there's that level of safety and security. That's really important to be able to fully engage in something and like surrender to it. If that's, you know, or lead whatever position you're taking in this interaction. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting to think like that shame, that imposter syndrome, like it continues even in these arenas that are more, you know, like sex positive, kink positive, like accepting. Um, and it's an ongoing, it's like an ongoing um, experience to like rewrite that narrative. Cause it, it, for me at least, it keeps creeping up. So I'm excited that you're curious to talk about like what it's looked like. Cause it's big, it's everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause I heard you say, you know you went from childhood and not really knowing body and boundaries. And then here you are and people see you as the object thing on Facebook. They're like, oh, Natalie, butt plug, right? So like, so t- walk us through kind of how did you get to this place where you're like, I'm gonna rewrite my narrative you know, obviously like sex, shame, and spirituality, you've gotten to this place where you're comfortable, not only talking about it, but exploring it and delving into it. Mm -hmm. Um, what were the big shifts? Honestly, for me, like the, the turning point, um, was when I was about a year sober, I think. And, um, I had been doing an exercise with my mentor at the time, And we were going through like an inventory of basically my sexual history and harms and things like regrets, whatever, towards myself, towards other people. Um, And she reminded me that like sex is God given. And I feel like we had talked about that. It's so beautiful, but it was so jarring because I was used to an upbringing where I was taught like truthfully, like I did the, like, uh, what do they call They called it love and life. It was like a book that we read in Catholic school and it pretty much verbatim said that sex is what you do when you're married to a man and you have a baby. Like nowhere in there. Was it about me? Was it about pleasure? Was it really about anything other than like procreation? It wasn't about connection to self or another person. Um, it was just this really practical, like, patriarchal thing um and so I was always repulsed by it like I wanted nothing to do with it and I also I think with the church for myself in particular I needed somewhere to belong right like I was this lost kid from like a very early age and that's something I'm delving into now in therapy thank you um and I needed a place where I could fit and these rules that I was taught like this sex ed um, gave me those rules. And so I became like the 12 year old kid who was like, I'm 
I'm going to get married one day, but I'm not even going to kiss the person before I marry them because that's like, that's a sin and that's a problem. And I know, right? Um, I'm just laughing at the huge contrast. I know, but it was like deep in there. Like I literally thought I was like a disgusting person for wanting those things ever. Like, and I shut it down. So it's interesting. Like before I even knew I was able to, like, I was allowed to desire things or like experience pleasure. I was taught to force myself out of it, like completely that it wasn't an option. Um, and so like, and I mean, I dabbled in things like going on, like, it's not like I never did anything until that point where I got sober. It's just when I engaged in things. So my first, you're getting like the whole story now, Marissa. Are you ready for this? I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm ready as I'll, I'll ever be. My first sexual interaction ever was with a woman. Um, this was in high school. So a girl at the time, my girlfriend. And um, the thing about that though, and I I've talked about this before, is like the church gave me this like yes or no, right? Um, but there wasn't a middle ground. There wasn't a space to articulate what's yes for me. It was like, here's some rules. And if you follow them, we'll, I was gonna say, we're gonna love you, but that's not even what it is. It's like, we'll accept you and we'll let you be part of this group so that you have some sort of solidarity. But if you don't follow them, you're bad, you're wrong, you're hated, you're disgusting. Like that's the message I got. Um, and so when I realized that I had desires that didn't align with the rules, I pushed away into that realm of like gross and wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing was be because I, I think, because of how I had been raised in the church and I wasn't even in it like as like hardcore as some people are, but it, you know, it clearly was enough. Um, and like, you know, the impact it's had on my parents and like, you know, it goes back. Um, I wasn't able to articulate that otherness as being okay for me. It was just bad. So anything I did to engage in that really was furthering my shame and like discomfort with myself. And I, in a sense, embraced it, but it was more of like that rebellious, like, okay, well, I don't fit here. Like F y'all I'm going over here it wasn't in a way that was actually like in the words we use now, like aligned and supportive. Like it was very much a rebellion because I didn't know where else to go. And I needed somewhere that I fit because I didn't know if I could survive being alone. Like if I wasn't here and I wasn't here, I had no one. Um, and that was a scary thought. <laughs> and so like, I think when it got to the point of realizing what impact that it had through like all of my relationships. That's when I started to realize like, not that I needed to be alone, but I think it's like, actually I took a, I took a course by Dr. T, uh, Dr. T Williams. And something that has really stuck with me, at least for me in the realm of exploring this kind of healing was like, like the community that's, that's needed to heal through oppression right and and the thing is like in that moment because of the structure of the church and the structure of what I was in I felt alone when I didn't fit yeah. but the fact is there are so many individuals who feel that same way and we can come together to heal and I think that's like what we're doing right now and that's like why when I do share about it openly as much as some people make assumptions that like my experience is way beyond what it is I'm trying to create that space to come together with other people who, you know, are recovering Catholics like me or like 
didn't touch themselves until they were like 24 years old because that wasn't like that was shameful that was dirty that was wrong that was not something i needed like i discounted myself you know um mm. because apparently as you know a woman growing up in the church i don't deserve to have something unless it's necessary which is not true mm. um yeah and so i think it's like realizing now that middle ground is a place that I get to like explore. And it's, it's actually, there's so many things coming together right now. I love these conversations. That's just like me bantering at you, but my concept of a higher power now, cause we're talking about God and we're talking about spirituality and like it ebbs and flows. And I will be honest, like the God I, I look to now is not the God I was looking to when I was, you know, growing up Catholic. Um, it's actually a concept I got from reading a book by a Jewish philosopher named Martin Buber, uh, the book is called I and Thou. And part of it, at least, I, that he states is basically that people are necessary because we create the space in which God manifests. <gasps> and so it's that sense that like the space between, right, is where meaning is created. Um, I love that. Oh my gosh. So yeah. it's like now, right? And And I think that's the cool thing is like that middle ground where I didn't know how to exist that used to be just like this void and this place of like pain and struggle has actually become a place where I learned to articulate myself um, mm. and like learn to show up for myself and like meet myself for the first time and like be okay with that. And then the cool thing is, it's like, there's this whole unexplored space that we thought was empty where like all of us individuals get to come collectively to heal and explore and like learn through these things and tap into our sexuality and our desires and like access the permission that we've always had, but never knew we were allowed to take. Amen. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. <laughs> I got chills. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I've had chills this whole time and it's not- It took a bit, but then things things sometimes just start flowing. I was like, I don't know who's talking, but I'll just let it happen. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, I just want to reiterate the fact that so much, I think, of healing from shame is talking about it and realizing that oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. If we're all silent and we all feel like we're alone, then yeah, of course, shame is going to be perpetuated. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for speaking up and sharing about this and allowing others permission, like myself, you know, like it was because of you talking about this where I realized, oh my gosh, yeah. like sex doesn't have to be this dirty taboo thing. Sex can be a way to connect with a higher power. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, that's like part of, I mean, I'm not an expert on this. Like I said, I'm here to share like my experience and the things I've dabbled in. And like, I could always point you to an expert. It's, it's not me. I just have dabbled in, in the learnings, but that's like when I got into like this stuff minimally, like the, the tantric perspective is really, it is, it's connecting like ether, like, you know, other dimensions with body, with energy, with, with earth and, like that's powerful. Like that's bigger. Um, and it's like, it's, it's expansive in that sense, in like an energetic sense that I don't think we always give it credit for if that makes sense at all. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a really powerful thing. And, uh, I think like a lot of the things I grew up with, the teachings I grew up with limited what that experience can be, um, out of fear, out of, I don't know, a need for control, whatever it is, you know, um, 
and now, like you said, like learning to unpack those narratives, it's like learning to question that. And I think like something I've said to you along the way too, is like, sometimes I question things and like, it rearticulates the thing. It doesn't always mean I tear it down. Like there are parts of this journey that stick and whether they stick because I'm still in the shame or they stick because I truly believe it and it works for me. Like, I don't know. And it's okay. Uh, regardless of what that is, like, you know, being comfortable in a public change room. I mean, I don't swim, but like, <laughs> I still, I still might not do it. Um, but can I have more peace around the fact that I don't do it now versus is it like a fear thing or something that was forced upon me that made me feel crappy about myself? And that's where it can at least start to shift a bit and feel more okay. Or it might be that, you know, I like going to nudist beach. So I'm just like keeping rocking in the free world. Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But I think that questioning doesn't always mean it has to change. It just means sometimes that we can reaffirm it in a way that feels more aligned for us. Mm, I would love to hone in on that and talk about kind of those tangible ways that you rewrote the narrative. So for example, giving like an old, uh, I guess, phrase or story that you told yourself and then kind of the new one that you've replaced it with. Mm. So I think the biggest one, and this, I mean, it's not necessarily going to be well articulated because I always, I like need to talk to get to the point. Apparently that's a mental projector thing. I didn't know that, but mm. it makes sense knowing me. I'm just like all about conversation, which is why I love this forum. But, mm-hmm. and like, you know, my YouTube channel too, same thing. I was just like bantering nonstop. Um, I honestly think a big shift was buying my first vibrator and it was that action. And it was so freaking awkward Um, and this is the thing though, was my mentor said, just go buy one. She's like, if you return it the next day, if you never use it, I don't really care, but X basically not in her words, but I've learned this language since with other practice I've done, but it was basically exercise the muscle of doing it, of showing up for yourself in that way, because even just purchasing it was like slightly changing that narrative and saying like, no, you are allowed to have this, like, this is acceptable. And it deserves your investment, like money and time, right? Because I didn't think it did. Because um, yeah, by saying that, you're saying that like you are worthy and you are deserving. Yeah. Yeah. And something else she had suggested that went along with that for me was to carve out an hour a week to myself as intentional time. Some of these things might sound familiar to you. And uh, and so I did. I bought I bought the vibrator. I actually bought a book on how to use the vibrator because I had no freaking clue. Um, I don't even know if I bought lube. I really hope I did, but I don't even know if I did. Um, And I went home and I scheduled in that week to try it for an hour with, I played the doors, which is weird because now the doors always get me kind of turned on. And um, like- Oh, like music. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put on the doors. I felt, I like dimmed the lights. And I just went, I literally went through the book page by page and tried out what it was saying. So I didn't like get anywhere, like none of that happened. Um, But I was starting to let my body tell me what it liked, which is something I had never done, including in any sexual interaction I'd had up until that point. Um, It was not, like, I will say, like there were interactions where I, enjoyed it. Like there was pleasure. I will also tell you though, um, it was hard to let myself surrender to it. Like I remember when, you know, like 
this is very explicit, but like my body would move a certain way. And now I'm like, okay, a partner enjoys that. Like they want to see this response or, you know, it's fun. But in that moment, I was like, oh, is this wrong? Is this what's supposed to happen? Like, I need to stop this because they're going to think I look funny. Like what I was so in my head because I'd never learned how to just be in my body. And like, that's what sex is, whether it's with yourself or with someone else is like being in your body. Right. Mm. Um, And it's about feeling, not thinking. And so like, this was the first moment where I let myself check into that and, and just kind of show up for it. And it was similar. It's like I said, when you unpack a narrative, when you question things, it doesn't always mean your answer changes. As if some of the things I tried, I was like, oh, I don't really like that. Like, that's fine too. Cause that's still learning about me. And that's, that's still allowing myself to recognize where there is desire or where, you know, maybe my desire is to go a different direction. Yeah. Um, and that was something I'd never done. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about how, like, as you got more connected to yourself, how that related to you being connected to your higher power, if at all? Yeah, I think, see, now it's more about like, it's less explicitly like stated, if that makes sense. Uh, Cause it's more like, okay, for me, like intentional self-pleasure can be a spiritual practice or like doing the existential kink work can be kind of a spiritual practice. Um, It's kind of similar to going from like where I used to do like structured prayer in the church. Like literally I would pray the rosary before bed every night of my own accord when I was 10 years old. Like this was me. Um, Yeah. And you're like, who is this chick? So you've known me since then, not like back then, right? Um, To like being able to just, I don't know, be in my kitchen doing dishes and be having a hard day and just be like, Hey God, thanks for chilling with me. All right. You know, or just even have the thought of like the energy around me. Like sometimes it's just that it's just that feeling of oneness that I can create. Um, and so it's not like our father who, you know, whatever. (laughs) And I think it was similar with the sex and spirituality thing, whereas like initially a a way that I kind of integrate it was more in partnered activities where I needed to stay present. Like it was so hard to stay present in my body. And I would literally pray before sex. I'd like go to the bathroom, get on my knees and like ask God to help me stay present for sensation and out of my head, like truthfully. And during it, if I noticed myself getting up in my head, cause I'd be like, Oh, what's this person doing? Or do I like that? I don't know. And I, you know, I get, I think about the feeling rather than just feeling it. I would pray. Like I wouldn't say it out loud. Cause that might've, I mean, some people might be into that, but I wasn't, um, <laughs> but I would mentally be like, okay, like breathe. and be like, God, like, please help me be here. And you know, whatever. And now I think it's more like, actually on that note, breathing, it's like, okay, incorporating breath into self-pleasure, like forcing that presence and that connection um, or like integrating like the chakra work and opening up to like the divine. Um, And so it's more like an integrated practice versus something I have to like explicitly state. Yeah. And I, well, as I hear you talk, I'm like, I love it because we have all of these tools at our fingertips. It's literally our body, our breath, you know, our genitals, like these are God given, as you said, that your mentor told you. And it's beautiful when you fully embrace that. And I I'm with you there. Like I also have been resistant and there are still places where I'm resistant and not allowing myself to go there because of the shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's a big one. Um, and truthfully, it still is for me. Like, I don't think it ever fully goes away. We just, uh, I just get more comfortable leaning into it and pushing, not pushing through it, but like relaxing through it maybe to <laughs> AO, um, to be able to share my truth and like what's coming up for me, my desires, whatever that is. Um, Cause I know, like I have things that I think about that I, you know, maybe want, maybe want to try, maybe don't want to try like with, whether it's with a person, you know, and like, oh God, like the most terrifying question is like, what do you want right now? Like in like a sexual interaction, I was like, I don't know, whatever you want. Like, you know, like yeah. um, it's still scary. And I mean, and it's okay to also not know, like sometimes that's fine too, but I I like to be able to confidently state what I want and to know what my body wants. Um, Don't we all? Yeah. And can I just say about that, that question, it's wonderful. And I think I've noticed it's tricky for me as well, partly because like, where else does that happen in society, particularly for women too, for us to just like openly state, this is what I want and to have that be honored. nowhere (laughs) yeah yeah and that's kind of my reaction to it too that's what I've said when it's come up recently was just like truthfully that's a difficult question that hasn't been asked of me much and I don't really know how to respond um and so sometimes it's you know similar to like when I say like the space between sometimes maybe I just need to create space from the interaction to be able to respond you know, maybe I can't respond in the moment and be like, oh, I want X, Y, Z right here and now. Like maybe it takes me like a couple hours or a couple days to be like, oh, you know what? This is a thing I've been thinking about. And I now feel comfortable turning it into a request of that other person, or at least stating it as a desire, um, which has been really powerful for me in terms of like leaning into that is like, uh, I think I learned this when I was doing oming, like orgasmic meditation, um, is that there's a difference between a desire and a request. And so for me, as I was getting used to saying what I wanted, it was a lot easier to say like, hey, I have a desire I'd like to share with you and I'm not currently requesting it. So this doesn't need any sort of response. And so I could say, I desire this. And that was it. It was just a safe place to state the thing. And then if at a given point in time, I felt like making it a request, because the scary thing about a request can be scary is that it leaves room for that other person's consent level and their level of interest. Right. And I'm not always ready for that, especially if it's a big thing for me to even state it out loud to myself. It's so so vulnerable. Yeah. It's scary. (laughs) There's always the potential for rejection too, with that of like, this is just, well, whether it's desire or a request stating that. And then, like you said, there's that space for the other person to respond and it, who knows what direction it could go. Yeah. And that, that actually brings to another. So Ohm taught me some really important things. The desire request distinction was one that was really powerful. The other was it's a no right now. So when we say rejection, it feels so all or nothing, but it's like, it is a no right now. It's not necessarily a no forever. I mean, people do have hard no's and like respect that. Um, but I think that's also where, like, for me, at least getting into this world of kink, BDSM, blah, 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 uh, which I'm very much a beginner entry level here. Um, 
the checklists for the conversations make it so much easier. Cause like, like for me tickling, I cannot be tickled. Um, like it is a traumatic thing for me based on past experiences. And part of the issue there is that I have told people not to tickle me and various partners over the years still decided to do it just to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. And what happens is very quickly, I am on the floor in tears, not knowing how to process the emotion that's coming up. Like it's a lot. Um, And so those checklists also help me to be able to feel safe because like things that are a hard no get talked about up front. And that can also give room where it's like, you know, maybe I have a fantasy and it's something I do want to do sometime, but I know that a component of it, you know, because things can involve multiple turn-ons and blah, blah, blah. Maybe a component of it is a hard no on on my like current partner's list. Then I have an opportunity if I am requesting it to maybe frame it as like, this is my full desire. What are your thoughts on this alternative knowing that you're not comfortable with this aspect and that's okay. Um, and so it kind of helps give a little bit more, like, I mean, it is, it's like information, but like also just like a, a framework to those conversations, I think that can make it sometimes feel easier to express our desires and make yeah. those requests. Um, so yeah, the communication though, it's been like super weird as someone who grew up being like, don't talk about sex, don't kiss someone, don't whatever. Now I'm like, let's talk about everything because it just, it, it creates that same permission. Right. And it's like, if you normalize those things, um, it doesn't have to be scary and weird anymore. Yeah. It eliminates the shame. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to really just kind of speak to the listener who is at the very beginning of their journey and maybe similar to you, you know, hasn't touched themselves or done any self-pleasure and is scared and doesn't know where to start and and feels like it is still icky. So what would you say to that person? Mm-hmm. Trying to think of like when I was there. Yeah. I think like, you know, what's interesting. I was actually watching um, the show Bonding last night on Netflix. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. Oh my God. Watch it. It's a, it's a TV show, but it's about like a dominatrix and her friend. And it's like, it's gimmicky, but it's good. Um, but this is what happened. She had a friend who spoiler alert, anyone watching season two, just so you know, um, <laughs> she had a friend who had never touched herself. And so the friend called her to be like, I realize you could help me. And it was just, honestly, it was like, seeing yourself was the first thing they like took out a mirror to like look and I think that's what I would say is like it doesn't have to be a big thing um start with what you're comfortable with and that could even just be like you know we touch our legs like I have my hands on my thighs right now we touch our stomach all the time we touch our arms we touch our bodies all the time just like incidentally so like take something that you're comfortable with incidentally and make it intentional I think that would be a really practical starting place, right? So like if in the mornings you always lay in bed with your hands on your stomach and you've just never clued in that you were doing it, like set a timer for two minutes and like not force yourself, like intentionally do it and like feel your breath and like notice things that you didn't notice before. Maybe describe it after uh, to really help yourself like engage in that connection with your body. Um, Because like, yeah genitals powerful yeah 
clit, so many nerve endings, but like we are sexual beings, like we are God's self. So it doesn't have to be that explicit, like erogenous zone that you're interacting with for it to be a powerful sensual experience. Yeah. I'm even thinking hand over heart, you know, and just like really being present with your heartbeat and the fact that you're alive and here on this earth, like that can be sensual if you choose for it to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. I think it's so right. Cause he here we are. And like, you have explored probably way more than I have. And we're going to include some of the books and, you know, own meditation yeah. things that you reference in the show notes. So people can know where to go. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's easy for, for those of us who maybe are a little further along on our path to kind of forget, you know, forget what it was like. And just this scariness of, oh my gosh, you know, I think it's almost this like survival instinct of, because you were speaking to how the church was where you belonged and you felt accepted. And so if that's your one place, then why would you go against that? Like we all want to be feel like we belong and that we're loved and accepted and so yeah it's almost like going against your nature to pull apart from that you know what if I'm shunned from the church what if my parents disown me because I explore this area and my sexuality yeah and that's interesting too actually because when you say like being accepted and truthfully I never felt accepted by the church because I always had things pulling me away from what they were forcing on me but what they taught me was that unless I did these things to be accepted by them, I had nothing else. And so it was really fear um, and really just furthering that shame. Um, and I think that's important to note too. And it's like, am I really being accepted if I'm not acknowledging those truths about me? Like, no. Um, and that's why it felt so uncomfortable. And like, why I constantly felt I think on the outside like as much as I tried and like you know like I said praying the rosary like wore my uniform properly like did all the things I was supposed to like got the good grades because it's like Catholic school um I always felt like I was being judged and like I didn't belong there um there was always a piece like even it was just like in the back of my mind you know yeah uh and I think that's important to recognize as well um and that like that piece deserves attention. Like, it's not bad to have it be there as much as that might be what you're told. Right. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. when I give myself permission to kind of start to look at it, not to fight with it, but just to look at it is when things kind of started to shift a bit. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to point out too, that by no means are we in this podcast telling you that like, you need to leave the church. And no, like, not at all. Like, no. Yeah. No, I think really our, our aim and, you know, feel free to add things in once I'm, once I share this, Natalie, but um, it's more of like, you can have it all, you know, like you can have both, like you're a sexual being and a spiritual being. It's not one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And for some, and that's like, like I was saying with questioning things, you might question things and it just rearticulates like, oh yeah, this is where I want to be. Like, this is what worked for me. For me, it didn't. And so my spirituality eventually showed up in a different way. Um, but it's not to say that you're wrong if it reaffirms your commitment to the church either. It's just, I think about like allowing ourselves that agency and exploration, um, as opposed to having it taught 
to us or forced on us. Yeah, it's really getting curious, sitting down, maybe even having a journal prompt for yourself of like, who is God for me? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? What is, what is he or she or, yeah, what do they look like? Mm. How do they treat me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did that actually when I was first going on this journey of like needing to find a new higher power situation. Um, and it was easier for me to say what it wasn't. Uh, sometimes we know that right sometimes we know the things that don't sit well with us but we don't know yet what can be on the other end of that because we've always been given this really clear picture and there wasn't another way and like literally a picture like growing up in church you see pictures of what god apparently looks like um and so i just went with what what it wasn't and i was like it's not a man in the sky it's not like this like human-like being i knew it wasn't that And then I made a big, and I was like, it's not evil. It's not whatever. And then I looked up the, I used the thesaurus and looked up the opposites of those words. And whenever I would do like a reading or a prayer or something that used the word God, I would replace it with one of those words until I found the one that felt good for me. Um, And I think originally the one that stuck for me was unity. I really liked that. And uh, so it was like, the way that I understand that in terms of like a higher power was that kind of like God is what I experience when I show up honestly in the world in my right place to be of service. Um, And so God is more of a way of being. And that also for me gives space for the fact that, because there's a big, and I had this come up before with someone where like, you know, really bad things happen. And I think that's something where it's difficult when we've like been so, at least for me, when I've been so used to a certain concept of a God, and then I start to question and try to articulate it for myself. It's like, where was God when, you know, like so-and-so died or, or this other thing happened. And like, I mean, now I have a bit more of a different understanding of that, but like when bad things happen to people, um, for me, it's like what that means. Cause we're still humans. We still have autonomy. Um, and so for me, what that means is that someone wasn't living in their God self, like someone in that interaction wasn't showing up honestly to be of service in their right place. Um, and that's where there's room for that human aspect. That's also really important. Cause like one of my things was like, I don't think my life is like set in stone. And like, I mean, I think there's aspects like now going into the Akashic records and learning about like soul contracts and like why I incarnated and blah, blah, blah. Like there's a bit of that, but it's still not fully set. Like there is still that humanness where I get to make choices and make mistakes and like do all the things and it can get messy. And like my concept of God needed to leave room for that because otherwise like like my mentor also said, she would say like, God is everything or else he is nothing. And like, you know, insert whatever you want in terms of the pronoun. But that's the thing. I can't decide that God shows up in one place and not another, like God is everything. And so I need a concept that works in all circumstances so that I will never have to question or feel separate from that higher power. And by doing that, I can start to bring that higher power into all of these other places where I was taught it didn't belong. Hmm. Mm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We've covered There's, a lot already, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, when you're talking about the autonomy, I'm like, oh, free will. Oh, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> Just like being human and free will. And notes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, this is, this is a huge topic and, you know, talk, 
we could talk about sex alone, shame alone, spirituality alone in separate podcast episodes. So I feel like we've just like skinned the surface. Like tip of iceberg of all of it. And we yeah. need to like unpack the rest gradually. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. And I think I think also it's beautiful how it's happened too that we that we are just covering the tip of the iceberg because we aren't here to lay it out for you of like this is how you should live your life. No, we're here to kind of like give you a taste and then you get to it's kind of like take what you want leave the rest it's a buffet you know like don't eat it all no like you get to choose for yourself you have that free will and that autonomy to discover for yourself what sexuality means to you how to deal with your shame and kind of like heal from that and what spirituality is for you in your life if that's how you identify and yeah yeah I love it (laughs) <laughs> and it is, it's a very fluid, open journey and it ebbs and flows like all the time. Like it's changing for me. And like, as I learn new things and interact with different people and it's like, there's always something new to uncover or like a, a prior fear that comes up in a different way or a different context. And I get to work through it all over again. And I think that's just, that's the journey. Um, and I think it's really cool that we get to like bring in all these different tools as we go. Like there hasn't been for me, like one specific thing that has been the way that I've healed all the stuff. But like, as I go at different places, I've picked up different things, you know, like having that mentor, buying that vibrator, like getting that existential kink book, like working on my codependency through a different book, like having my podcast where I got to explore this stuff. And then I shut it down a year later. I was like, I'm done on to the next thing. Like, you know, going into the records, like there's all these little components that have come together along the journey. And like, it kind of reminds me, like I keep lately when I've been doing readings for people, I keep visually seeing this path and it's like those, is it called flagstone? Like the really big stones that are really thin and they sit kind of on top of the grass and you'll have like a big, stone after stone but they're like raw sand colored stones and the people I'm doing these readings for I see them and the the path is curving and there's really nothing along the sides of it but they're stepping like one foot at a time on each stone and I feel like that's really like um exemplary of this journey is like and the intentionality I'm showing with each step it's like place it there and know that that stone will be there to support you Um, But I think that's also like the little tools we pick up every step of the way. Like it's not one connected path. It is inherently disjointed in that sense because it's moment to moment and showing up for what we need moment to moment and allowing what we need to show up for us moment to moment. And it's not always going to be the same. Um, And like, that's okay. That's, that's, that's kind of the point. (laughs) Yeah. Being here now and Yeah, I feel like that's so perfect to, especially like super relevant for my life. And I'm sure listeners also resonate with just like the uncertainty of it all and wanting to have this clear path that is connected and you know the way, but that's not life. No, it really isn't. (laughs) Yeah, Mm. but it's pretty beautiful that way. And like when I've seen it, it's like that switch from from fear. Like, you know, when when you're a kid and you like don't step on the cracks of the sidewalk. Like mm-hmm. it's that fear of placing my foot on that next stone, like not knowing if it's going to be there and like gradually getting to the point where we like, we trust that it just is. It's not like a, I trust that it will, that everything will be okay. It's like, a, I know that it is okay right now. 
And that's a bit of a difference. And that's bringing back to that present moment. And I think like, I know this is going like really broad from what we started talking about, but I feel that it does point to that same like exercise of showing up for our bodies and just being here in the present. Because when I can do that, when I can like hold myself and honor myself here without thinking of like, you know, the guilt and the shame of the teachings of the past or like what it could mean for me and my community in the future. And like, you know, think of like reasonable circumstances to think about in any sexual interaction. I'm not saying like, don't be safe and cautious, but in terms of just me being with my body, like it needs, like my body needs that presence, right? Like my heart beats here <laughs> and I need to just sit here with it. Um, and just knowing everything is okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that you're, yeah, that you're safe mm -hmm. and that you're supported and loved. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, Natalie, you, you did, I, I know we're wrapping up here. So I, I feel like we could talk for hours, but um, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. But is there, I mean, is there anything maybe that I didn't ask about or leave space for that you would like to share here in the end? I feel like I feel like we covered a good amount a good amount of stuff I think the only thing maybe to just reiterate is that like I don't even know if I'm saying this in the best way but the thing that's coming up for me right now just given where I'm at is like it's normal to feel at any point of this journey that you don't know enough or you're not where you should be you know um and have that shame come up in whatever way it comes up in different ways. It might not present as shame necessarily, but that apprehension, that fear around articulating these things, like that's normal. And I think the other thing to remember is like, you might not know as much as the person you're engaging with. You might not have as many experiences as the person you're engaging with. It could also be the other way around, but like, that's also why, at least for me, I've been told along my journey, like along my journey with sobriety as an example to like, have phone numbers of people who have all different lengths around me because everyone has something valuable to share. Um, and I think the same goes for this. It's like, just because your experience isn't the same or as much as the next person doesn't mean it's wrong or not enough. It's just, it's just where you're at. And just to like allow ourselves that grace and that space, I think as we begin to figure out how to engage in this journey for ourselves is really important. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm even thinking like for people who might be triggered by some things that we said in this podcast, I know originally I was triggered by things that people said about sexuality and we, what you can, you know, like self-pleasure is a way to connect with God that says who, you know, and just, I was very judgmental, but I realized like, I'm thankful for those triggers. Those triggers were ultimately what what taught me and what really accelerated my growth. So, I mean, I just, I felt like stating that and just. It's funny you say that. Um, and I know we're almost at the time. So I want to say this really quickly, but my same mentor taught me that, and now people use trigger in a supportive, like mental health way. And I'm not discounting that. Um, I leave it to people to use the word themselves because I feel like me telling someone, Hey, this could be a trigger is like presupposing their healing journey. And like, that's not okay too. My mentor though said to me that a trigger is what happens when I give power to something other than God, because like, it's like a triangle and there's like me, higher power and the thing. 
And so long as my energy is going here, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not putting it up to my higher power. But if I'm, if I'm in conscious contact with God, things don't trigger me because they don't have that ability. Like I'll have a reaction. Yes. There might be things to process. Yes. But it's not necessarily as like uncomfortable of an experience. And I just think it was interesting that you brought that up (laughs) around sexuality, because it's almost like once I bring God into it, it's not, it's (sighs) not like that anymore. Um, so just interesting to think of it since you mentioned that specifically in terms of what she had taught me. Yeah, I love that visual. Thanks for bringing that in. Oh my gosh. Kind of awkward yeah. like on camera, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> you are a sovereign sexual being, sovereign sexual spiritual being. Mm. <laughs> All right. So just last thing before we end this recording, um, you did kind of allude to it before, but can you talk about your YouTube channel, like your socials? Where can people find you? What are you offering the world? Oh man, what am I offering the world? That's a question. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so the main place I'm hanging out right now is probably my Facebook group, Soulscape Community. And it is really, it's a place of like co-creation, community, exploration, whatever that means for your soul's perspective of this physical experience, this incarnation. Um, bringing into that space a lot of the spiritual work that I do. So I do um, Akashic Records readings, uh, card pulls. um, And I also have my YouTube channel, Coffee Time, which, I mean, same thing. Easiest way to find any of this is in the group because like all the links are there. Um, And that's just like, kind of like what you're doing, but a bit more like, um, I don't know, not a bit more anything, just like a little different vibe, baby. Um, I hate saying that. Uh, But it's just like, yeah, real talk conversations like this over virtual coffee, because I feel like that's really where the magic happens. So I'm super excited that we're kind of doing the things. And I guess also on Instagram, um, it's hard to tell it to you, but linked through the group. And that is where I share strictly things that I channel either through the spirits I work with, the nature I connect with, or my master's guides and beings of light in the Akashic Records. Amazing. And we will include all those links in the show notes. So don't you worry if you did not write it down fast enough. I was like, I should really have a more accessible Instagram, but I actually intentionally made it not as accessible because it's an online journal for me. And I invite people to engage, but the intent was for myself. So that's why it's not like my name or something easily searchable. Cause it's like, eh, whatever. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you again, Natalie, for showing up, sharing your heart, talking about all the juicy, important things to talk about. Thank you for creating this space and inviting me back on. I love you, friend, so, so much. I'm so grateful. I love you. Mm, Love you, listeners, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Heart to Heart Conversations, the podcast. If there's someone in your life that would really benefit from listening to this episode, it would mean the world to me if you took 30 seconds to share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, text it to them, do whatever you have to do to spread this message of hope with the ones you love most. Until next time, keep following your heart.